Dearly beloved, we are gathered together to join this man and woman in holy matrimony. And if anyone can show just cause why they may not be joined together, let him speak now or forever hold his peace. Okay, that's it. This wedding's off. <laughs> well, good. I still have time to make the Edelstein funeral. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back, Married with Children fans. We're here to review How to Marry a Moron, part two. And let's get this done because I've got nothing but two pounds of cow lips, a, a bucket of nitrates, and a drink. And I'm Tyler. And let me just say, cheese doodles for everyone. <laughs> Perfect strip club snack. Yep. And my name is Annabelle. And my wedding dress is even more horish than Peggy's. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty horish. Yes. We're here to review How to Marry a Moron, written by Russell Marcus, Pamela Ellis, and Vince Chiung, directed by Jerry Cullen, and it originally aired on May 5th, 1977. 19, 77? How did I get that there? I, yeah. Originally aired on May 5th, 1997. Guest starring Harold Sylvester as Griff, Charles Eston as Lonnie, Gordon Jump as Earl Top. Edie McClurg as Pearl Tot. Lauren Hayes as Susie. Rance Howard as the Reverend. And I want to believe it's the Reverend Felcher. <laughs> Dale Burke, Fletcher. Uh, <laughs> Felcher. T.L. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke as Tatum Tot. Mason Dragoto as Jennifer. Renna Rifle as Stripper One. Jennifer Diane Hansen as Stripper Two. And Susan Solomon as a wedding guest. Oh, God. And listeners, if you think that entire list, if you're wa- listening to this before you watch the episode for some reason, and you're seeing all these names, you're like, wow, this is a stacked episode. A lot of amazing things are going to be happening. No, 90% of those names happen in the last, what would we say, like two minutes of the movie, of the show? Point that out. Don't get your hopes up, guys. <laughs> okay, so how to marry a moron or is uh, actually taking the title How to Marry a Millionaire which is not a weird reality show which it totally sounds like it is but a 1953 American rom-com directed by Jean Nugulesco and written and produced by Nunele Johnson <sighs> don't know why I did not accept that um, uh, the screenplay was based on the plays The Greeks Had a Word for It from 1930. The film stars Betty Grable, Marilyn Monroe, Lauren Bacall as three gold diggers, along with William Powell, David Wayne, and Roy Cal- Calhoun, and Cameron Mitchell as their wealthy marks. Although Grable received top billing in these screen credits, Monroe's name was listed first in the advertising, including the trailer. Now, that this actually sounds like a good movie. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. Hey, Tyler, did you see The Messenger? Yes. And a, okay. 
I think we'll just continue on. Hopefully she can get back in here. Yep, and... we'll just work until she's back. Okay. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, the continuation of the supposed series finale of Married with Children. And it's a little bit better. <laughs> we reviewed uh, The Desperate Half Hour last week. The longest-running comedy on television is saying goodbye. Celebrate the very last episode of Married with Children. The white dress is a bit of a stretch. Monday on Fox. Yeah, it's it's mm -hmm. a it's an actual episode, like from beginning to end. It has a whole plot. It's going around to different places, and it all comes back for an entire thing, rather than a series of vignettes. <laughs> yeah. And also, this is uh, this one was filmed without a major audience. Uh, I guess that's a, without a studio audience. Sometimes recordings will do that. They'll have uh, quite often. I heard that from Alan Steron, our friends from the WKRP cast, that uh, WKRP did that on occasion. And quite often, they would do uh, two performances. One would occur in the afternoon with no audience and then one would occur in the evening with an audience so um yeah so you know you had that to use and you could also take some parts and uh show them to the audience to get an audience reaction that way hmm. so yeah it was weird not having that because normally i don't care uh mm -hmm. or i don't even like studio audiences but married with children's is such a part of the the chemistry of the show everyone hears about like the audience going crazy for certain things but yeah like it, i think i i think married with children specifically needs it more than any yeah. other show oh they do but uh i'm not was there no laugh track i can't remember i watched it last night and uh did you mm. you watched it this morning didn't you yeah, so there's there's a laugh track, but it's very it's it seems like it's canned because th there's oohs and wows and stuff at things that I don't feel like the Mary with Children audience live audience would actually do, go to. Like when the strippers come out, like it's timed perfectly. You see the strippers for a, uh, maybe a second or maybe like two seconds and then you hear the woo and i'm like no if it was live they would have saw it before we did that's why you hear the woes usually a second before you actually see what they're screaming at mm. which adds to the authenticity that you're almost like watching a play mm. so never noticed yeah, this, that this one was definitely cropped and checked in and i didn't know i i didn't notice it as much to where i could point it out but now that you said now that you told me that it makes perfect sense mm. but we pick up pretty much where the last one let off and okay so this so now we're moving in into this actual part two again if you can have part two say part two every other episodes did anyway uh, I'm gonna. Uh, that's the last you'll hear from me, but yes, part two of How to Marry a Moron. So it, the last episode ended with Kelly getting proposed and ha and uh, Lonnie having that killer ending line, and because he goes to prison, I think most audience members would have just assumed it was over. Uh, but nope, surprise, surprise, <laughs> Lonnie gets let out. 
which I personally think, uh, after we learn of his heritage, he wasn't let out, he was bought out. I bet this happens weekly for him. And he is coming back in with the quote from Peg, the biggest cubic zirconia I've ever seen <laughs> as, a, as a ring proposal. Right. Now, you know, but real quick, uh, mm-hmm. I, I got a kick out of out of the Bud's letter to uh, <laughs> to Starlet, you know, and that's something you don't see anymore. He's actually writing a letter. Dear Starla, how are things in solitary? <laughs> Is it true that they throw you in the hole naked? <laughs> Anxiously awaiting your reply, Bud. And yes. <laughs> which is not you don't see that at all, but uh in, in this day and age, but then he's asking her, How is it when you go into the hole? Did they put you in there naked? I thought, Good lord, but motherfucker. <laughs> okay. Hooray, Annabelle's back. <laughs> in the future, if we ever if the groups of the the few of us ever do like a more adult podcast where we don't have to worry about swears, we need to do a soundboard of just Annabelle's damn motherfucker. Oh, my freaking ears! Like, <laughs> I've never heard you say motherfucker oh. before. Oh, my freaking ears! For and it was it was startling. <laughs> I liked it. I'll say it again. If I get if I think my internet and it came off in I'll such a it. you know such a polite way. I've always thought that the <laughs> I was saying that uh, you know British and uh, Aussies have such as accident where even if you're cussing at you it seems polite exactly <laughs> right i say we as americans you motherfucker oh my freaking ears and then you reply oh you motherfucker <laughs> oh my freaking ears <laughs> it just sounds so polite but uh annabelle we did have a question hopefully you can stay with us on this yeah but tyler and i were talking about how this uh episode was filmed without a major audience or was it filmed with any audience apparently it was filmed with a small audience so i don't have official word on this but there used to be some great sites on the internet i'm talking back in the in 96 97 um especially 97 and uh luigi i'm sure could back me up on this but there were some stories from a couple of fans um who went to the taping of the previous episode we just reviewed and had some experiences there or unless it was this one and they couldn't get in for some reason but on the Bundyology website it used to say that this episode was not open to the public and it was taped before a small audience consisting of friends and relatives of the cast and crew because of scheduling problems now there's no actual source on this to confirm it, but that's just what was taken as gospel on the episode information page. And it was taped, of course, before Fox's decision to cancel the show. So uh, it's just, we can assume it's just because of scheduling problems, but I don't know what else was going on at the time. Maybe they were thinking about cancelling it, but they had some issues in, in these last few episodes. Daddy, I love Lonnie. And I'll die if I can't have him. Suit yourself. A funeral's cheaper than a wedding. (laughs) Dad, don't worry. Kelly can't wait for Lonnie to get out of prison. I mean, she cheats on a guy if he takes too long in the bathroom. (laughs) 
Good point, son. Besides, he's a vicious criminal. They probably locked him up for life. He turned me loose. <laughs> they said the prison was too overcrowded. <laughs> God forbid prisoners don't have enough leg room. But Lonnie has just uh, shown his, what's it called? A club, what? A cubic zirconia. <laughs> a this is for you. <gasps> it's the biggest cubic zirconia I've ever seen. Genuine cubic zirconia. Oh, Lonnie. Oh. <laughs> um, so I've heard of this many, many times throughout uh, cartoons and other movies that I watch. It's usually invoked to be uh, low class or trashy. The fact that they immediately assume this. So a cubic zirconia is a is a cubic crystalline form of zirconium dioxide. Because of its low cost, durability, and close visual likeness to diamonds, which I'm telling you, look up some pictures of these things. It, it you really really can't tell the difference even their weight is similar um synthetic cubic zirconians has remained the most geologically and economically important competitor for diamonds since commercially production began in 1976 its main competitor has a synthetic gemstone is a more recently cultivated material so basically unlike diamonds which are like you know found in nature and they're whole and diamonds are cut, cubic zirconiums are created. Now, they don't have the same kind of like dirt long lasting abilities as the diamonds, aka forever. And I don't believe they cut glass, but they're they're quite expensive. Like, some of them are like I saw a cubic zirconia recently and it was like mm, about. Eight hundred, nine hundred dollars. And when I saw that, I was like, "Dang!" This was when I was like fifteen or sixteen. And I was trying to figure out what the heck it was, and I was like, "Dang, that's a lot of money." I, I thought these things were supposed to be cheaper. Then I looked up how much the diamonds cost, and I was like, "Oh, f that." Okay, <laughs> okay, eight hundred versus eight thousand. So they think because he looks like a maintenance dude and everything that this was the best that he could buy or that peg probably has one too because like al ain't buying no diamonds well, on top of that they don't know who he is <clears throat> they don't well, know who he is and they think he's a mechanic or a maintenance guy we know as much as they know so right which i think is um i thought was a good thing because it sets it up a hell of a lot better than the previous uh episode did <laughs> How much he loves her. The man just got out of prison, Peg. He'd be happy kissing anything with that stubble. <laughs> so, I have come to ask for your daughter's hand. Is that all? <laughs> and on top of that, it's like Lonnie doesn't, um, I don't, he doesn't seem to be spoiled by money. At least that's not my impression. Uh, Tyler, you mentioned that he probably got out because of his parents' wealth. You know, that's a good possibility. But I'm thinking more is that one, he didn't have the gun. He only drove her there. So he may have, you know, copped a plea, you know, to get a suspended sentence and send Starla back to prison. So who knows how that happened? Oh, my God. I want a spinoff called Lonnie and the Rest of Us about <laughs> Lonnie's life because I, 
I really I've made a whole like fan fiction in my head about this guy. Like you said, he doesn't seem spoiled by money. No, because we find out who his family is. <laughs> you stole my daughter an engagement ring, and it's not even a real diamond. <laughs> Sir, I love Kelly very much, and I promise you she'll be very happy as Mrs. Lonnie Todd. <laughs> Wait a second. Did you say your name was Todd? I don't know, did I? <laughs> Tot? As in the Tots? Owner of Tot Industries, maker of weenie Tots, nature's most perfect food? <laughs> yeah, that's us. Al. Al. This ring is real. Son. Dad. <laughs> He's heir to the weenie Tots fortune. I bet you it's like a thing where he is he is stupid by nature and he just grew up in this world of money and privilege that he doesn't even have a concept of money. So it's not even spoiled. Like he doesn't just even understand how that works. And he's too simple and stupid to be kind of like a brat about it. I think you're right on that. I think that's a good character, a good summation of that mm -hmm. character. It's kind of like Kelly, even though because she, like she's poor, but doesn't really phase her because what does she know? Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> They're true. perfect for each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, almost. But, no, uh, they are. I. This is a little set. This episode's a little sexist because I still think even when we find out why, like why it has to end, I'm like, but Kelly's a tramp, and so and he's a dog. They're mm -hmm. per perfect. Like. Just be poly with each other. Ugh, I don't know. Anyway, but uh, I think in a 2022 mm -hmm. remake, they could get married and keep it working. Mm -hmm. You know, and Al is already against this. He's been against this from the beginning. Kelly says that she'll die if she can't have him. And Al is kind of like, well, a funeral's cheaper than a wedding. Mm. Wow. Keeping that, with Al being very protective of his little pumpkin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless, unless you can get paid. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it's so great. Anyhow, uh, so Al's against it, and even though Kelly is in love, although she only met him twenty minutes ago, you know when, you know we mentioned uh, Romeo and Juliet soundtrack a while ago on last week, and well, if you look at that play, you got to remember those two got married within twenty four hours after meeting each other. So it's almost the same thing. Of course, they just don't kill themselves at the end of the play. Sorry if I spoiled Romeo and Juliet for anyone. But, <gasps> Dang uh, it. I was <laughs> going to read it next week, Stephen. <laughs> but yeah, I always get a kick out of teenagers telling me, Mr. Scott, I'm in love. And it's just like Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> I always spoil the mood. And I'll say, you do know they both die in the end, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same people who want to play uh, Escape or the Pina Colada song as their wedding song or I Will Always Love You in an engagement song. And I'm just like, guys, no, that's one's about cheating and the other one's about a breakup, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> people don't listen to the lyrics. <laughs> when I finally listened to the lyrics of Escape, I was laughing my ass off. I was like, damn, this is really bad. 
You know, I was out there in Western Oklahoma hosting uh, or, or pastoring and ch- being a chaplain. I did get a part-time gig as a radio DJ, just doing a Christian rock show on Sunday afternoons. And one time someone called in and asked if I could play Knock on Heaven's Door. And I said, uh, that's not a Christian rock song. And he says, well, it talks about heaven. <laughs> but if you listen to the lyrics, <laughs> if you listen to the lyrics, it's yeah. about suicide. I know. It's yeah. So, yeah, that's the door he's knocking on. That's so yeah. like, no. One of the, my favorite things ever is anytime Al grabs a guy that wants Kelly and smashes them into the door, yeah. mm-hmm. he gets it over and over. Again. <laughs> mm. fact, yeah, Al thinks that Lonnie stole the engagement ring and he doesn't think it's a real diamond. Yeah. Yeah, like in, uh, from what we know about him, uh, I, I'm on Al's side. Like, we really yeah. think he is just this like dirtbag idiot. <laughs> like, where could he have gotten this? Most likely stole it. And, and uh, well, go ahead. I was just agreeing. No, no, I was trailing off. I was like, yeah, and yeah. Well, you know, on top of that, he is, um, you know, like I said, this marriage, you know, he proposed within 20 minutes. And, but it was during this time when Kelly says that uh, she would, she'd be very happy as Mrs. Lonnie taught. And all of a ah. sudden it clicks in Al's head. Oh my God, your name was Tot? And the owner of Todd Industries, maker of weenie tots, nature's most perfect food. And I like this as a callback. This is a for con- continuity's sake. I, I did like this because we know Al loves weenie tots. And, I mean, there's even been a few mentions even between when Kelly was Miss, uh, Miss Weenie Tot and up to this episode here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I love the weenie tots. They always make me, they, until they start describing them, they always sound really tasty. <laughs> like, <laughs> All of a sudden, Al's demeanors change. It's like, son, and Lonnie calls him dad. Or perhaps you would prefer our Platinum Elite account? Now, that requires a $100,000 minimum balance, but you get free checks and a salad shooter. (laughs) I love you. Or perhaps you would prefer our Platinum Elite account. (laughs) That requires a $100,000 minimum balance, but you get a free checks and a salad shooter. (laughs) (laughs) So, a salad shooter is a product (laughs) by the National Presto Industries, founded in 1905 in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, in the small kitchen appliances industry. Originally called the Northwestern Steel and Iron Works, and then becoming the National Pressure Cooker Company in 1917, the company produced pressure canners. Beginning in 1939, National Presto Industries introduced small home-use cooking appliances. Uh, that doesn't actually tell me what a salad shooter is. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was going to be more. <laughs> so, listeners, look it up for yourself. Um, but we do thank you, Annabelle, for reading that because I was I, I pre-read it and I'm just like I'm going to f a lot of like that 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 city up, and you said it very well. I was like I have no idea how to pronounce it. It French, so I went, oh. I was like, 
I would have said like EO Claire. It might be for all I know, but it just looks French. All right, live from the internet, and I understand why our notes are this way. I typed in Salershooter Wikipedia, and the first thing that was popped exactly up that. was the National Presto Industries Wiki. <laughs> but on the uh, on the smaller Wiki Wiki side, we have the Salad Shooter. The Presto Professional Salad Shooter Electric Slicer Shredder. The easy way to slice or shred vegetables, fruit, cheese, and more. Just point and shoot right where you want. No extra bowls to clean. Includes a handy funnel guide and interchangeable cones for making thick slices, ripple slices, medium shreds, and super shreds. The cones slip right in. No complicated parts to assemble. An extra-large food chamber holds whole potatoes, and the adjustable food guide adapts to large or small loads. Shred cheese right onto a pizza. Slice fruit into a salad. Chop nuts to top a cake. It's easy to clean, too. The motor base wipes clean. All other parts are dishwasher safe. The fast and convenient way to make delicious salads, soups, pizzas, appetizers, desserts, and more. The Presto Professional Salad Shooter Electric Slicer Shredder. Classic model also available. Uh, it's an electric kitchen appliance that is used to slice and shred vegetables to shoot or and or drop out pieces into a salad bowl. So <laughs> it, I sent a, a picture at our group chat right now of what it looks like. It, it's kind of it's kind of cool. Yes, yeah, sounds like one of those as seen on TV type of uh, ads or devices that they try and sell there. I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> I love you both. <laughs> Kelly! 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 <laughs> hey, isn't that Big Bird? Where? Where? <laughs> I missed him. Now, Kelly, honey, on this very special occasion, I want you to wear the dress that I wore on the happiest day of my life. <laughs> Unfortunately, the football team kept it. <laughs> but I do have my wedding dress, and it is very nice, too. Jim Ovitz, what is it? Genuine snow leopard. Isn't it stunning? <laughs> Also, Peggy reveals this tacky, awful wedding dress. It's not a wedding dress she's showing off. It's like a leopard. She said it was yeah. leopard. Genuine no, snow it's, leopard. It, it's what she got married in. Because <laughs> in a way, Annabelle, as a woman, can you agree that your wedding dress is just the outfit you get married yeah. in? <laughs> it doesn't have to be a specific type of dress it's just whatever you happen to be wearing at the time and i guess that's all peg was wearing at the time <laughs> that's not a dress it's bare, it's a jacket and yes it's genuine snow leopard and i'm not sure i like this idea of actually seeing pegs what she claim what the show claims to be her actual wedding dress um i i, I know it's not what i pictured i pictured something more like late 60s early 70s esque um did they get married in the middle of winter mm. i mean um we don't know but um yeah chicago's pretty yeah. cold 
the bottom half of her would have been pretty cold. I saw some pants that go. I saw she had some pants that went with it, so it just wasn't yeah, that top probably part. a suit. Oh. For her, but she held up the jacket and said, "This is my wedding dress." But she, maybe she means dresses and the act of dressing. Yeah. Well, but my wedding dress did not look like that. Well, and it's her wedding dress, not not the happiest day of her life, though, right, Annabelle? <laughs> nope. And then aside from that, they're not only good. Not only looking at that wedding dress, the so-called wedding dress, now they need to go color their wedding invitations. Dibs on magenta. Okay. As the wedding coordinator, may I suggest something a little less whorish? Oh, come on, Kelly. We better go color our wedding invitations. Dibs on magenta. No! Immediately says, isn't that... Did Kelly say that? Hey, isn't that Big Bird? To get their attention. That's just yeah. to distract them. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, because they're cute, all so cute. They're like, mm-hmm. where? Oh, you missed him. Mm-hmm. Well, haven't you guessed yet? Big Bird, it's you. <laughs> you guessed it. It is me. And that's my very favorite song. A big bird, uh, if you don't know, was a Muppet played by Carol Spine. Spinny. I don't know if it's, spinny, it's spinny or Spine. Must be Spinny. Yeah. He was born December 26, 1933, to, and died on December 8th in 2019. An American puppeteer, cartoonist, author, and speaker, most famous for playing Big Bird on Sesame Street from its inception until 2018. Also played Oscar the Grouch. So, yeah, we have a Muppet guest star. If I wish it was Miss Piggy. She was mentioned earlier in the season. Maybe I thought she would have been a guest spot. I would have liked that. Yeah. I bet she demanded too much in money. <laughs> and probably why that never happened. <laughs> oh, bet- hey. Sorry. Anyhow, mm-hmm. real quick, uh, you know, we were talking about the Muppets. My, who's your guy's favorite Muppet? Or do you have one? Mm. It. Mm. Okay, so there's my favorite Muppet to watch, and then there's the Muppet I most I re- identify with, and those are not the same. So my the Muppet I love to watch the most is Miss Piggy. <laughs> I love her, always have. Anytime I hear her, mm, like I just <laughs> love that. The Muppet I identify with is Kermit the Frog. And I know you people shouldn't pick Kermit because he's the most famous, but I love how manic and anxious he is. He's always trying to get things put together, and he's the only one who seems to care that they have a show to do. It's the Muppet Show with our very special guest star from Sesame Street, Ernie and Bert. And yeah. everyone else is just getting in his way, and he's just like looks like he's ready to pass out at the end of every uh, episode. And that's me at work a lot. <laughs> um, I I like those two for those two reasons that you you've said as well tyler i also have a soft spot for beaker because he's adorbs <laughs> but yeah uh i can't say i've really put too much thought into it but i do like kermit for rainbow connection Aww. i love fozzy bear he has always been my favorite just because i like his, that <laughs> yeah, it, such as jokes are so corny waka, waka. i mean i like those and i just feel like the Fozzie Bear personality. 
Oh, those were. It fun. sounds so right. I could totally see you with a waka waka for, for yeah. personality. Yeah, <laughs> waka waka. I do have a profile picture I use with uh, him on it. Waka waka. I use it on occasion, but not too often, on my Facebook page. But yes, going back to the episode here, I just wanted to ask that question. I always like to bring up that stuff, but. We go back to uh, Kelly, I guess a housewarming gift or housewarming party or a bridal shower. And she's getting all these nice things. Thanks. I can't believe how cheap they are. They got me a bowl with holes in it. (laughs) Honey, don't be silly. That's not a bowl. Hmm. It's a hat. shouldn't be wearing that. Oh, yeah, right. Bad luck, huh? Okay. Anyway, you know, it's so nice of you guys to give me this shower, and... And she gets a colander. It's not a colander. It's a hat. But she... Well, it's a colander. <laughs> Kelly, I don't think you should be wearing that. Oh, yeah, it's bad luck. Yeah. It shows you how <laughs> dumb Peg is. I was thinking, oh, it's a colander. And when they hand it over, and when Peggy says, Kelly, that's not, you know, I forgot what she thought it was. It's a hat. And well, thinking, it's okay. great because Ke- Peg wouldn't know because it's a cooking right. appliance. But I just, but I love, it's something that I really started. You know, Kelly has, for the most part, become my ultimate favorite character of Married with Children. I think I prefer watching her than even Al anymore. Just because it's such a, very specific type of idiocy that she plays because she but she values her knowledge that she has so much the fact that she was like oh yes right because it's bad luck um that she's pulling from that uh limited knowledge she has of the tradition of what what is it you're not supposed to see the bride in her wedding dress before the wedding yes yeah, that. Yeah, so she has some traditional knowledge of of weddings and everything, and it's all just loosely connected into her tiny piece-sized brain. And it's just, I love it. She never fails to make me laugh. Okay. <laughs> anyway, you know, it's so nice of you guys to give me this shower, and I want to give something to you. My little black book. Uh, Wow. Johnny Parker, David Petrocelli, Max Pullman. Hey, that name sounds familiar. That's your father. (laughs) And Mr. Owens, our chemistry teacher. Oh, well, I passed, didn't I? I love Lonnie so much that it's worth giving up all those guys. Even page 41. Well, I've got a, I've got a question and about this scene, though. Who, who are these what? girls? Are these friends of Kelly's we've never seen before? And where are Ashley, Mindy, uh, Fawn, etc.? They are all friends that she made because they all had 
dad's brothers or boyfriends that she fucked. Right. Okay. <laughs> and we find out when they see her little yeah. black book. It's not because they're cheaper <laughs> to get at all or anything like that. <laughs> no, no, of course not. Absolutely not. They've been here always. You know what? They've just been slightly off screen. <laughs> they've always they, been there. Yeah, they've been referred <laughs> only with well, no, we haven't seen it since what season was it ten? I think. Yeah, it was season ten. The last time we saw it was in the spring break episodes. But anyhow, yeah, but I do like that uh, little black book. <laughs> That's hilarious because it's not a, it's, it's not little. <laughs> and you know what? They're obviously they're not the first uh, show to do this, but they are one of the first I've seen a woman do the little black book thing and the way she does it reminded me a lot of sam malone and cheers (laughs) yeah but he's just like i need to give up my little black book and he pulls out this tome (laughs) it's not like a huge binder like she has but it it is like a huge Mm. book well yeah diane's like oh your little black book he's like yeah and he pulls this like gutenberg size bible out of there Now, no, now everyone has a little oh, black book. Everyone, it's just a smartphone in this day and age. And who, who was it who said that their children will be oh, rutabagas? Oh my God, their children will be rutabagas. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Root vegetables run in my family. It was Marcy. 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 <laughs> and she also has a really, sl- like, uh, just cutthroat thing to say that she says about peg which okay i don't normally like the term whore i think it just needs to be like thrown out because i really don't like it but i did laugh when she's like i was thinking of a dress a little less whore <laughs> just just the look on it and then peg like looks at it goes oh you think so or something like that just like <laughs> Oh, it was it was very cutthroat. But I love Marcy is the wedding coordinator. Like, there's a reason she's here. I love it. That's right. I never thought about that, but you're right. Uh, I suddenly just realized something. Jefferson wasn't much in this one at all. No. Uh, real quick, I want to mention this one line before they went to the nudie bar, and that's when... Um, they were talking about the wedding dinner. I was thinking of an open bar, horse stupors, and then six courses. And yeah, well, I was thinking cash, a, bo- a cash bar, and a covered charge. But that's what they're planning for his funeral. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> cash bar and a cover charge. A cover charge at a wedding. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> that you'll know for sure who your loved ones are in that point. I like I remember my grandparents saying like when they my grandparents explained to me the difference between a cash and an open bar. Um, my grandpa was like, "You get a cash bar if you only want your friends and loved ones there." Hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. What did you guys <laughs> think of this speech that Peg gives to Kelly about being married for twenty five years? Points for continuity. So soon after their big breakup episode, and they got back together, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Peg's speech and why she still loves out. You know, honey, I never wanted another man after I met your father. Every time he would look at me, I'd get butterflies in my stomach. Mm. Well, does that still happen? Well, now it's more like a churning. 
<laughs> but at least something's going on down there. Oh, you guys are still in love, aren't you? Absolutely. You know, after 25 years, we may not be as lovey-dovey, but at least two times a year, your father makes me feel like a teenager mm. all over again. <laughs> That's because he has no money and a bad car. <laughs> True. But he's still my Prince Charming. I... I thought... I thought it was really good. It was timed perfectly. You need uh, the the scene was kind of calling for a, a speech like that, and you're just waiting and waiting for it to break its ground, and it really doesn't. And then they do one thing better: they make Marcy part of it, which I thought was great because when she reads that, you know, after 25 years, we may not be as lovey-dovey, but at least two times a year, your father makes me feel like a teenager all yeah. over again, which. Yes, that's that's making fun of the fact that you only get two sex twice. But I'm thinking, damn, Al, you did it twice in a year. Good job. <laughs> but the way she the way she says, feel like a teenager all over again. I actually went, oh, that's sweet. And then Marcy just cuts it in half with. Um, yeah, because he's broke and has a shitty car. <laughs> and it's nice to get a Peg and Kelly scene oh. together. Right, Tyler? <laughs> yes, I was loving it. it. Absolutely. I thought normally if you told me Kelly was getting married, I would assume Peg would be jealous and trying to like out overstage her being a yeah. jerk. But no, she's actually right there at her daughter's side at all the pivotal moments. And I was... I really like that scene too when Peg goes into it because... It's AKA Mary with Children's style. Mm -hmm. And, or pardon me, it's, uh, pardon me, it's love, Mary with Children's style. And, yes. you know, she can still dig a barb in there a little bit. And she says, we may not be as lovey dovey, but at least our two times a year. The t your father makes me feel like a teenager all over again. Yeah. You know, it's just like a little jab at him, but she still says that she loves him. And you know he's crazy about her. They they have mm -hmm. so many scenes when you can see that they do care for each other. They just don't like to yeah. admit it, especially Al. And all you have to do is take the specificity of two times a year out of there, and there's no jab at all. Change that to, we may not be as lovey-dovey, but at least a few times a year, your father makes me feel like a teenager again. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a sweet thing to say. Because, you know, you're married for that long. You're, it's not going to be romantic. Even in, like, a sincere, real-life marriage, You're not. It's every day is not going to be a romantic, lovey-dovey nature. There might be some... I know married couples who have been together for so long that they're like, yeah, you're right. We. I think the last time I said I loved you or something like that was when I when I go on trips or something. I never say it when we go to bed or anything. We're just with each other all the time. <laughs> so to hear her say that, it made it seem real. And it was just nice. And it even starts out really good, too. She says to Peg, I never, or says to Kelly, I never wanted another man after I met your father. Every time he would look at me, I'd get butterflies in my stomach. Well, that does still happen. Now it's more like a churning. So again, a little married with children uh, reference to eternal love. You know, I noticed this too. Uh, I think it was in the Goodbye Girl in season six. 
everyone now goes on vacation, but all he does is put those gates around him and imagines that he's in Paris and all these other places. But uh, mm-hmm. before he steps in that little gate, he says goodbye, Peg, and he kisses her. Yep, I Peg love on, that. Yeah. And so listeners, if you've never seen that episode, it's really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> but then we jump to the nudie bar where Al, I guess, is celebrating. And I like his line, behold the power of Beercules. <laughs> I've never seen you buying drinks, even for yourself. <laughs> well, when you're part of one of America's wealthiest families, it's your social responsibility to show a little class. Hey, cheese doodles for everyone, the puffy kind. <laughs> uh, no one listens. Just mm. like at home. <laughs> Some guy must have more money than you. Who'd have more money than a Tottenlaw? <laughs> Which, honestly... I don't know if you've done that, Stephen, but I have attempted to break the beer can on my forehead when I was drunk one night. All I did was cut my head up real bad and hurt and gave myself a headache, and the beer barely changed its form. I've tried that as well, and the can did not crush, and I just hurt my head. It's hard to crush a can. Like You can crush it side, but to put it on its... They're meant to stack on each other. They're not going to break. You know, we've got that misconception from movies, mostly in Animal House, because Bluto can crush a a beer can on his head, but you can't do that. I remember trying that as a kid with a Pepsi can or something. Yeah. I I didn't know how hard they were. But yes, the power of Beercules. which, uh, Stephen, what was he referencing there? Achilles, a Roman hero and god. He was also a Greek hero and god. Um, and that was Heracles. He was the son of Zeus and the mortal, and the mortal alchemy. In classic mythology, Hercules is famous for his strength, for his numerous far-ranging adventures. Uh, I was about to say the Golden Fleece, but that was Jason. Mm-hmm. Good job. His is the 12 labors. Yeah, the 12 labors. That was what he did. And uh, I don't know much about him as much as I know about uh, Odysseus and his journey, because I have to teach that every year. But still, you know, I I, I love studying the Greek gods and Roman gods. I like the Greek gods because the Roman gods just stole and gave them new names. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think you and me have an equal kind of like fascination for the classics, but... I actually know a lot about Hercules. I was very, very, very into it after I saw the Disney movie as a kid, realizing that they were using his Greek name, they were using his Roman name in a Greek setting. As you appropriately pointed out, Heracles is the Greek and Hercules is the Roman. But one of my favorite stories of Hercules, or this would be, no, of, this is Heracles here, the Greek one, is that he is the son of a king, and Zeus wanted this, uh, Zeus basically wanted to father a child, because, you know, Zeus be doing that stuff all over. And what he did was he visited this queen, this king's wife, 
a day, the morning of the day he was supposed to return from a campaign. So his wife was expecting him. And he comes down and he takes the form of the king. And she sleeps with Zeus thinking it's his, it's his, her, it's her husband. And while she's sleeping, Zeus leaves. And in classic mythology, anytime a god ever sleeps with a child, with, with a woman, a child, or any god sleeps with anybody, a child is always the outcome, always. And, and but her actual husband shows up that night and wakes her up and has sex with her. And this actually can happen biologically in the real world. She got pregnant with both her husband's child and Zeus's child. So I think it's like a 18 hour window where if a woman has sex with two men, she technically can have give birth to two babies, one the father of one and one the father of the other. And so when Hera, Zeus's wife, hears about this and they, the gods kind of can't really see what's going on inside of the womb. That's not their per se. They, they don't have control over that kind of life yet. She sends the goddess of, of uh, it's not fertility. I don't remember her name, but it's like, um, what do you call the women who do that? Uh, midwives, goddess of midwives down and to pinch the vessels of the, of the baby that comes out. Now, Hercules instincts were so strong that he pushed the basically pushed with his feet the the uh, human baby of the king out first, and Hera accidentally kills the king's son, and Hercules is born in defiance of of Hera's wishes. Okay. Hmm. I'm not exactly sure what you're supposed to <laughs> glean from that, but I found that story very fascinating and I when I was a teenager. Yeah. But at the nudie bar, Al notices something. Lonnie. Hey. What are you doing here? Hey Dad, I'm here every Friday night. I can't believe I've never seen you. Oh well, Friday's full price night. <laughs> but I'm surprised that you a soon to be married man. Well, you're here, Dad, and you've been married, what, 50, 60 years? Uh, at least. Yeah, but that's my whole point. I've earned it. See, your future wife deserves more respect. Well, what about your wife? That's different. My wife is my wife, and your wife is my daughter. Come on, get out of here. Don't make it here again. What? I already paid for a lap dance. Don't worry. I'll put it to good use. Ah, the sacrifices I make for this family. He's there, too, throwing <laughs> tips and getting lap dances. And oh. <laughs> I like Al's response here, which is typical for most men. <clears throat> See, your future wife deserves more respect. What about your wife? Because he goes out and goes to the bar. That's different. My wife is my wife. Your wife is my daughter. Yes, you know? that was a very well written line because I needed that explained to me why he was upset. Because first off, I thought this was his bachelor party. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. they were having a bridal shower recently, and then they switched to the nudie bar. I assume this was his freaking bachelor party. So I was very like confused why Al was surprised to see him there. 
Then I and I immediately think, oh, this is great. Al wants a son in a weird way, and he's going to accept him because he's kind of like Al. He's a more of an idiot, but not so much more. And he's a, a dog. He likes to, you know, be in the new. I'm here every Friday night. I thought he was going to pat him on the back and go, my son. But no, I had to have the, the writers explain to me why Al would be upset with this. Because I'm like, but they're getting married. Like, what? It's not like, eh. I, I still don't. It's it's a big problem with me in this episode because I have no. There's no reason to me why these two shouldn't be married. Besides, you know, their children mm-hmm. being rutabagas. <laughs> I don't even know what a rutabaga is completely. Very but... very disgusting root. Mm. Oh, and then he also tells him, "But don't let me catch you here again." Well, I already paid for the lap dance. Don't worry, I'll put it to good use. Oh, the sacrifices Al makes for the family. I know, right? But yeah, like he what I think they even say it like they they come back um they go back to the house and Al yeah. explains to Peg like Oh Al, we got a welcome to the family present from the Tots. Remind me to send them a go-to-hell thank-you card. <laughs> there will be no wedding, Peg. I saw our former future son-in-law tonight at the nudie bar. He's a dog, Peg. Al, you go to the nudie bar all the time, and you don't cheat on me. That's right, because I show the nudie bar its due respect. A man looks, drools, dreams, <laughs> does not cheat. Technically, they're not even married yet. They're engaged, and that's the same thing. An engagement ring is circular. It means out of circulation. He's a dog, Peg. He, I do love that line. He's a dog. I, we don't hear that too often anymore, and I think we should bring that back. Just a guy who like, is loose with women and goes around like, he's a dog. <laughs> um, but like Peg, rightfully so, says, Al, they are getting married. Like, the heck are you... If we think it's gonna happen, like, and she says to him too, Al, you go to the nudie bar all the time, and you don't cheat on me. That's right, because I show the nudie bar its due respect. Mm-hmm. A man looks at man looks drools dreams, but does not cheat, and that's been the consistent thing between Al and Peg. They don't cheat, and Al has been tempted heavily on at least three occasions. I can think off the top of my yeah. head, he had three chances. At least. Like in season two, right? Like way back there. Season one. Season one. Yeah. Season seven. Yeah, I forgot season one. Season seven, he had a chance to go with uh, Coco, played by Vanna White. He had a chance for the shoe groupie, and I forget what episode that was. Season six. But yeah, he had. Mid season six, episode 12. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that's Bundy on the beach. Mm-hmm. He turns her down. Al, would you do me a, a small favor? Would you make love to me right here, right now? <laughs> well, uh, I'm married. Well, I don't care. She's uh, right here. <laughs> well, I don't care. It'll make it more exciting. Well, 
I'll send the kids away if you want. <laughs> yeah, Marilyn, you always were one that would go that extra mile, but... Uh... <laughs> I don't want this to get out, but see, I really kind of like my family. I don't think it'd be right. Now, don't feel insulted or anything. I'd say the same thing to my wife if she asked for sex. That's too bad, Al, because you are and always will be the one man for me. Gary! Gary Kane, you still look great. You work out a lot. Come on, kids. That's a real gold chain he's wearing. If Alan Pegg ever did cheat on one another, that would just completely ruin the show for me. You can't do that. It's the same for The Simpsons. Uh, like, Homer can't cheat. There was a really effed up episode of The Simpsons fairly recently, and I was so... Like, it, it was okay, because it turned out to be a dream. Um, I don't like that either, but, like, they literally had Homer had sex... Like, uh, slept with his pharmacist... Uh, because she gave him like pills and says, they say don't take this with alcohol, but you could take it with alcohol. And he does and then wakes up in bed with her and he's actively, he's like, oh no, I've done the worst thing that I've ever possibly could. And they go with it for so long. I'm just like, am I never going to watch The Simpsons again? Because I don't think I would ever be able to forgive him. Like, no, you cannot cheat on March. That's the one thing you've never done, you jerk. Like, <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it, it it does remind the viewers that like the one's stable relationship in this entire show is theirs. Peg mentions that they're engaged, it's, or they're not married yet, and Al has to add, "Look, it, the wedding ring is circular. That means it's out of cir- that person's out of circulation." <laughs> Oh, using very similar Kellyisms, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's all hooked up. Dad, did you see our great gift that our new in-laws sent us? They're not going to be our in-laws. You lie. My <laughs> father thinks that Lonnie's cheating on Kelly. Mom, Dad, there's a rumor floating around town that Kelly herself is no longer a virgin. A rumor that's been afloating since 79. I know that uh, Kelly has sown a few wild oats, among God knows what other things. But I cannot knowingly allow my pumpkin to marry a rogue and a scoundrel. He's not dead. He can't be. He's a tot. Tots are good people. Would bad people send us a gift like... This? What is it? It's a big screen projector, Dad. Isn't that worth the small sacrifice that we laughingly call Kelly? No, bud, your dad's right. We can't sacrifice our only daughter's happiness even for a big screen TV. Exactly. How big? It's 10 feet wide, Dad. 10 feet? And they sent over a laser disc player too, with a movie, Dad. A John Wayne movie. The Duke! <laughs> well, I'm sorry. They're just going to have to send it back. Uh, let's not lose our heads here, Dad. Now, do you have any proof of your accusations? Well, no. Shame, Dad. Shame, shame, shame. You know, Bud's right, Al. Well, I'm 
I'm not sure. Let's just ask the Duke. Bud had to remind them, Mom, Dad, there's a rumor floating around town that Kelly herself is no longer a virgin. A rumor that's been floating since 79. Sense after Al's pre- after Peg's previous line, it's just vaguely related, and then he says this, and I'm like, "Why are you saying that?" I just didn't get it. Yeah, on top of that, Kelly would have been like eight or yes. nine when that happened. That's the second part to it. Just... Don't make your audience members do math. Like it, it. That's a that's a rule that I have if I'm ever writing something for people to like, uh, like enjoy for entertainment. Don't make them do math. Stay like a rumor that's been floating since freshman yeah. year. Yeah, I mean, in this case, it's like, like if it begins you know? with a number like 70, it seems to make it funnier if it's more syllables or just, you know, 79 just sounds better than saying 80 or whatever. They could have said 89, but 79 sounds funnier. But when you realize what he's saying... It's gross, <laughs> and but you're not. I know he's exaggerating, but I'm sorry, Al. He uh, he says I know Kelly has sown a few wild oats among God knows what other things. Yeah, so he's aware mm. of it, and but he's not going to let her marry a rogue and a scoundrel. Again, yeah, I don't. I mean, maybe you can put the idea out that he wants parents want something better for their children than they have. So I want my daughter to marry someone better than me. I think that's a lot of like dad's problems out there is just that like, yeah, the guy's kind of reminds me of me. Oh no, my daughter should marry someone better than me, which is also kind of weird. It it's, they didn't need to go this way at all. I was not expecting Al to have a problem. Like I really wasn't. This wasn't some dude groping her in the middle of the night. This was a guy who got on his knees and proposed. Mm-hmm. But he is a dog. Yeah. But then better. Yeah. He's he a is dog. a dog. Yes. He's a scoundrel. Uh, you know, we ha- Lucky hasn't said a word all this season. And I think this would have been an appropriate time to pull that out and use it. Like Lucky saying, don't insult me or something like mm. that. Mm. If they had put more thought into a final episode, like this was, regardless if this was the final episode of the show or the final episode of the season, they could have put more thought, like things things like that, and put that into the episode, whether you got a different voice or whatever to do Lucky, but he could have said something. Yeah, that could have worked. He's still too love struck <laughs> with uh, Jefferson. <laughs> that must be it. Oh. But Tots are good people because they've given Al a big screen TV projector. How big? <laughs> Ten feet wide. Was that what yep. you said? Ten feet wide, yes. I think? <laughs> Ten feet and, wide. And now back then and which would a laser disc player. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Like you just want to date your episode so bad. <laughs> oh. Annabelle, why don't you tell us about the laser discs? Okay, sure. So, laser discs, or laser disc, sometimes abbreviated as LD, is a home video format and the first commercial optical disc storage medium, initially licensed, sold, and marketed as MCA DiscoVision, also known simply as DiscoVision, in the United States in 1978. 
Although the format was capable of offering higher quality video and audio than its consumer rivals, VHS and Betamax, videotape, Laserdiscs never managed to gain widespread use in North America, largely due to high costs for the players and video titles themselves and the inability to record TV programs. Huge downside. However, it eventually did gain some traction in that region and became somewhat popular in the 90s. It was not a popular format in Europe and certainly not in Australia. We did have them, but... Yeah, they, they sort of became a cult collector's item well after the fact. You see some things on eBay, for example, in Laserdisc, and it might be something that was never released in something in any other format, and that might be something good to get. But, yeah, it didn't, it didn't take off. I did uh, – one of my friends, his um, – I can't remember if it was – I think it was his brother – had a laser disc player and we watched a couple of movies on laser disc aliens and um what was that other one? Oh, the empire strikes back on the laser disc <laughs> one weekend and i was just impressed by it i guess that you could say that was the precursor for dvds which eventually became blu-ray so uh, my oh. uh, experience with laser discs <laughs> very easy um i thought up until maybe this year, or possibly even when Annabelle read this to me um, just now, I thought Laserdisc was just another name for DVD. <laughs> okay. Hmm. I did. Yeah, I was like, oh, discs. Oh, you mean like when I heard Laserdisc probably was a little kid, I just meant, oh, I guess you mean DVDs. Like, I thought it was maybe the, because the, like VHS, that's a brand, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, it's video cassettes is what the actual thing like band aid and bandage. I thought laser disc and DVD. Okay. So apparently not. <laughs> apparently it was a much shittier thing than DVDs. <laughs> so Al now has a ten foot wide, um, ten foot wide big screen TV, very big for that day and age, and a laser disc player and a John Wayne movie. <laughs> I think it would have been awesome if it had been the movie Hondo. That would have been good. I mean, they did say the points, points for the Duke let's pretend it is, but yeah, we could fan wank that it's the that it's Hondo. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? The Weenie Talk guys haven't been watching Mary with Children, so they probably don't know of his love for Hondo. But you could take one look at Al and tell, oh, this guy likes the Duke. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, fits in, like, the real world of why they chose just a John Wayne movie, period. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Al's character. I think that's a continuity thing as well. Of course, I could have done Charles Bronson. Mm. He was from the- oh, that, ooh, that'd be good. That'd be really good if they had done Bronson. Cool, yeah. Because they made and- a Mrs. Movie. Oh, it should have been Char- – it should have been um, uh, with a uh, – Death Wish 6. With Death Wish 6. They got mm-hmm. it laser disc for him. Yeah, that would have been good. See, we we put but, so much oh, more man. thought into I... this episode than they did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's a part two. Yeah. Connect them. Ugh. But I think their idea was let's write it and get it over with and get it <laughs> off the air. I honestly believe that's their mentality <laughs> here. But uh, Al is still insistent. He said. 
they're just going to have to send it. Then, pardon me, they're just going to have to send it back. Oh, I, and I like it uh, when they talk about the John Wayne movie. <laughs> My Lord in heaven. Ooh, I've seen this one. This is where the Duke kills a whole bunch of Indians who are really asking for it. <laughs> Hello, family. Oh, look who's here. Kelly, I think Dad has something he'd like to say to you. What is it, Daddy? Kelly! <laughs> Kelly, go to your room. All of you. Go to your rooms. Oh, I've seen this one. This is where the Duke kills a bunch of Indians who are really asking for it. Yeah. Again, oh, like uh, that's that's that Three's Company episode that has some type of misunderstanding. <laughs> but yeah, this episode, all of a sudden, they all of a sudden realized, holy crap, we got to floor it. We have an ending to get to because the rest of this goes by so quickly, doesn't it? Yeah, it was I was I was just shocked. Like all of a sudden we're there and so much happens. I really felt like this it should have been the entire episode was this wedding. You know what I mean? Made more of a event, more of a thing mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit rushed. But, yeah. So Al is forbidding it. Kelly is he tells her to go to her room. <laughs> and she's what like 25, 26 at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, can you really tell your kid to go to your room when they're 20, 25, 25 yeah. years uh, old? Kelly, you can. Yeah. Sheldon can, too, in Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. His mother's sent him to his room. <laughs> but, but then he sends well, everybody I mean, to their rooms. <laughs> Sheldon's mom. Uh, if, she, if my mom was... I forget the actress's name. If my mom was Sheldon's mom, if she told, if that woman told me to go to my room, I'd probably Laurie do Metcalf? it right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, if Laurie Metcalf yeah. told me to go uh, to my room, yeah. I'd go to my room. Tyler, have you seen Young <laughs> yeah. Sheldon? I have not dared to look at it. Is it good? I actually really or bad? like it. I, really I like, like it. it. Um, <sighs> no, it's just interesting because if Laurie Metcalf plays Sheldon's mom on The Big Bang Theory, it's just, uh, I don't think it's even stunt casting. It's just how it worked out. Laurie Metcalf's actual daughter plays the younger version of her character on the young Sheldon prequel. Get so out. Cool. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, because she plays the yeah, part well. Yeah, and she looks like her yeah. a little bit. Dang. Okay, you know what? I'm going to have to give that a try out. A lot of people I've talked to have told me that young Sheldon's great, but I also don't respect a lot of those people's taste. <laughs> um, I do respect your guys' taste, so if you're telling me it's good, I'm going to give it a shot. Now we get to the wedding, and I do love this first part when all these guys are showing up. Friend of the bride... Friend of the bride, I think you know where to sit. Wedding video, Kelly's first marriage. Und film de Jefferson Darcy. Ah, yes, luckily I have my bazoom lens. There's the villain of our little story. And Griff is there saying, friend of the friend of the bride. Yeah. Or, or they, they just nod slightly. They're looking down, dejected and depressed. Friend of the bride. 
And I was thinking, what's going on? And then I suddenly it clicks in my brain. Oh, those are all Kelly's old boyfriends. Yeah, they're all handsome guys. <laughs> and they're all sobbing, you know, at this like they were at a funeral instead of a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I wonder if she remembers any of their names. Probably not. <laughs> She'd have to look in her big little black book. I know. I wonder if anybody in there is from page 41. I do like, oh, and now we get to see Jefferson for the first time this episode. Oh, he was in the nudie bar, as we said. But yeah, now he gets to speak. <laughs> and yeah, we just, yeah, that's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Okay, thank you. And what he said, he says, wedding video, he's filming the wedding and he says, wedding video, Kelly's first marriage, which I thought was funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so! Oh my God, that was so mean. Hey, I... I know somebody who I know people who have said that in real life. I'm just mm. like, dude, come on. Well, Kelly herself <laughs> said it exactly a season earlier. I say exactly. It was the season ten finale. You know the jokes on Al when Al is getting married to Peg's enemy. Um, what she thinks is a joke and kelly says oh this is so beautiful i wish my first wedding was just like this so she has said this herself <laughs> okay it works for kelly but i was just like damn jefferson claws out oh uh, you know what i did like about this scene lucky. uh jefferson the first shot you see of jefferson when he's talking to the camera in the background you can see the priest taking a massive drink from his flask and I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a stereotype, but it was funny. <laughs> stereotype for a reason. Like, if it's the one vice you're allowed is booze, you're going to have a it's lot of it. It's a nice sight gag. And like, I, and like I said, I just always, uh, I, I want to think that's the Reverend Felcher that's been mentioned in a few episodes <laughs> in the first few seasons of, of the show. And by the way, this uh Minister is played by Rance Howard. He's the father of Ron Howard. So again, yep. another Ron Howard connection. Indeed. Yeah, that it looks about it. Um, yeah, there's some good guest stars in this see. episode. Exactly, which is why I really think they... You know what I'm starting to think? I'm starting to think that they originally wanted to make the entire episode the wedding, and they hired all these guest people, and then something happened money wasn't enough or somebody's schedules didn't work and they could only get somebody some of them for maybe like an hour or two and they had to completely rewrite the everything else that sounds plausible because otherwise why would you have all these guest stars literally to have them for four minutes mm -hmm. now, if you get to get them yeah. use them uh, by the way uh, uh, <clears throat> was the Je was jefferson the one that said there's the villain of our yep. little story yeah and who was he? I forgot. Who was he? Was he focusing on Marcy? Yes. Is that right? And she mimes something at the camera. Yeah. Something like, I'm going to I'm gonna uh -huh. beat your ass. Something like that. <laughs> oh, and Peg wants to know why none of her relatives are there or here either. Al, I don't see any of my relatives here. Didn't you send out the invitations? Well, of course I did, Pookie. Hey, hey, what do you got there, boy? <laughs> then you sent out the invitations and no he didn't you can see him he tried to bury him <laughs> well would the wankers even be able to read it <laughs> that's true that's true 
and and Peg's mom probably just ate mm-hmm. it. So yeah, like I, everything's just jammed together right now. I can't I can't remember how this wedding well, we part goes. Tots. Al, Peggy, I'd like you to meet the Tots. I've just been telling them about the wonderful investment opportunities at Kyoto National Bank. <laughs> There's a line to kiss their ass. <laughs> And it starts behind me, so while you're back there, why don't you kiss my tip? Enjoy the wedding. Hi, I'm Earl Todd. And I'm Pearl Todd. And I'm Al Bundy. Uh, who's this pretty little creature? Where? Oh, oh, this, this creature with well, this here's Peg. You have such a lovely home. It reminds me of when we started out. Earl had nothing but two pounds of cow lips, a bucket of nitrates, and a dream. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that's funny. Al had all that, <laughs> except for the dream and the bucket. <laughs> well, just being here just brings tears to my eyes. Al, I told you to close your hamper. <laughs> so. Yeah, hi, yes. I'm Earl Tot, and I'm Pearl Tot, and I'm <laughs> Al Bundy. <laughs> who's, this, who's this pretty little creature? Where? <laughs> Let me, uh, I want to talk about these two because, of course, I have an affinity for the work that they do on a certain TV show. But Earl Tot is played by Gordon Jump, and he was born April 1st, 1932, and he died sadly in September 22nd of 2003. He was best known as the clueless yet occasionally wise radio manager Arthur Big Guy Carlson on WKRP in Cincinnati. He was also known for being chief of police Tinkler in the sitcom Soap. Jump's um, most memorable guest starring role was on a two-part episode of Different Strokes that aired in 1980. He was a pedophile. He was a uh, bicycle he owned a bicycle shop if i remember and he it was his attempt to molest both arnold and dudley arnold escapes but dudley doesn't and i always cringe at that one i mean i'm thinking a sitcom is not a way to to deal with issues like that you only use an hour-long drama i I know this was a two-parter they wait are you saying that dudley didn't escape dudley was abused yeah Holy crap. I thought it was like a, I know about this. I've never seen it, but I'm, I'm aware of it. I thought it was just one of those special episodes where they're like, beware and the kids narrowly escape. It actually happens. Okay. Okay. Uh, yes, you're right. That is just, ugh. yeah, it's not the atmosphere to have that happen in a sitcom. Yeah, Mr. Belvedere tried it too. I saw that episode and thought that was done weird. But anyway, uh, we're off the main subject here of Gordon Jump. I was surprised he took that role. If I'm an actor, I'm not going to touch that one. I just would not want that role to be associated with me. Of course, maybe Gordon Jump. And and Gordon Jump, ironically, is a very religious man. He's very strong Mormon. And actually, uh, our friends at the WKRP cast interviewed uh, Gary Sandy, who played Andy Travis. And he told an interesting story about Gordon Jump, and he said that uh, when they were first getting together and they were learning each about each other, Gordon says, look, uh, I want you all to know that I'm a Mormon. If you have any questions about my faith, please talk to me about it in private. And he said he respected Gordon for doing that because it's like most people want to hit you over the head with it. Mm. 
And that's not a good way to go about it. Yeah, I'm a Christian and I believe this, 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 and this. Yeah, well, it's not your what your beliefs that define you as a good person. It's your actions that do. So, and anyway, he was a really neat guy. And his wife is played by Edie McClurg, born July 23rd, 1945. And she has done a lot. She has 90 film and 55 television credits, often portraying characters with a cheery Midwestern spirit. And she, too, was a co-star with Gordon Jump on KRP because she was the recurring character of her Harlick's wife. Uh, and Harlick was played by Frank Bonner. He died just last spring of dementia. And I was hearing some things on some WKRP Facebook uh, group pages that Edie McClurg is going through the same thing now. She's suffering dementia really bad. And it, and she's not going to be around for much longer, according to her children. So, Yeah, and uh, she, to me, is most famous as uh, the... Um, the administrative assistant in Ferris Bueller's Day yeah. Off. I also remember her specifically in planes, trains, and automobiles when Steve Martin is running, trying to rent a car, and or there wasn't a rent car. He gets all the way back, and he cusses her out because she has this stupid grin on her face. And you mentioned um, Ferris Bueller. This is something interesting I discovered about her, and that is. Her other role as an administrative assistant was with Thornton Mellon on uh, Back to School. You remember that one, Ronnie Dangerfield movie. Mm. Both those, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, here's the thing: both those movies were released. Ferris Bueller and uh, Back to School were released on the same day in 1986. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I've also heard her. Uh, I've heard her voice in a lot of stuff too. Um, she, if you did, you guys ever see the? Um, the movie uh, The Secret of Nim? No. I saw it once a long time ago. I don't remember much about it. Yeah, well she uh, she plays um she plays Miss Wright uh, in there mm-hmm. and it's like because there's like four speaking women characters in that movie, so it's easy to pick out who she is. Uh, a lot of dudes in that. Um, and she plays the farmer's uh, wife. And it's this like like until I saw it in her credits and then I played this scene in my head, I was like, holy crap, it is her. It's her putting her very nice dubious wife voice. <laughs> and then she could just whip out that like Minnesota accent too. It, like she's very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's in a lot of TV. Very shows, good actor. And she's always good value. Um <laughs> She's great. Oh, in yeah. Golden I, was, Girls. I was literally She's about so to mention funny. that, Tyler. Oh. And now to introduce another character because the, you know, Lonnie gets there and introduces Bud to his parents, the Tots, and they want, her, they want him to meet Tatum. So, Lonnie, tell me again, what does your sister look like? Well, kind of like her, but with bigger Wallubies. <laughs> I think we may just be related twice. <laughs> Mama, Daddy, this is Bud. Remember? He's the one I told you to be perfect for Tatum. Yes. Oh, here's my little sugar bear now. <laughs> Tatum! <laughs> I thought you said she had big Wallubies. Oh, she does. And my family, Wallubies is a pet name for butt cheeks. <laughs> You're right, Lonnie. 
He's a cutie pie. <laughs> now, don't they make a darling couple? She makes a darling couple all by herself. Well, uh, if we get both our kids hitched, I'd have to make you a partner. Uh, attention, everyone. I would like to announce the engagement of my son. <laughs> Damn you, Dad. And... Uh, <laughs> Tatum thought. <laughs> oh my God. Damn it. I just, oh. Tatum and, uh, by itself is just really funny. I did not put the Tatum tot. Ugh. Yeah. Here's a little sugar bear now. And she is, uh, boy. She has big Walubis. Not Bud's type. Yeah. A pet name for her butt cheeks. <laughs> Oh, and she she, she's infatuated with him, as usual. You know what I thought would have been hilarious? If Miss Hardaway had shown up for this, <laughs> trying to get oh, Bud. That would have been, been a great finale idea. Between you and me. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't like, I thought it was so lazy that they made Tatum. <laughs> Jesus. That they made her so, like, just the standard big lady who's also a man hungry and gonna chase him down i don't know like just i guess it works because it's just background noise for this for the episode but uh they could they could have done more the rest of the the tasks were just so 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 funny and interesting they kind of like fell backwards on on a really old trope yeah but uh there's this line i caught on my rewatch of this one where uh, Earl Tot says, Al, if we can get both our kids hitched, I have to make you a partner. And then Al says, attention everyone, I'd like to announce an engagement mm-hmm. with my son. <laughs> <laughs> now, they gotta go check on the bride. And this is when something interesting happens. Oh, now, Al, go check on the bride. And remember, when you walk down the aisle, try to walk upright. <laughs> no problem, I only double over when I see you. Oh, Marcy, I have more butterflies now than I did for my own wedding. Hmm, I would have thought you would have been nauseous for your wedding. Well, I was that too, but that was from morning sickness. Hey, Peg, you look great. Can I take you out now? Griff, we have a wedding to go to. (laughs) But you can call me tomorrow. I was talking about taking you to your seat. Oh. <laughs> sure. Now, where is my best man and my maid of honor? Oh, God! The heart! The heart! Come back here! And let me finish that hickey! <laughs> she moves a lot faster since she lost all that weight. Oh, here. They talk, uh, first of all, was yeah, was Peg talking to Kelly first about the uh, butterflies in the stomach, and she says she has more now than when she had her own wedding. And I would have thought you would have been nauseous for your wedding, and says Kelly, and Peg says, "Well, I was that too." <laughs> <laughs> and then, but that was from the morning sickness, <laughs> so we know Peg was pregnant on her wedding day, and. We had suspected this all along. There are some references to it. In fact, last night I was watching one. Um, yeah, it was uh, hot off the grill. His logo was showing their marathon. 
And Peg says, uh, oh, I wish you kids could see your father in all this glory for all this happened. And now makes the comment, they almost did. Mm-hmm. Referring yeah. to mm-hmm. Kelly already being. That's kind of, we talked a little, we touched on this a little bit when we reviewed the three-parter the season. Breaking up is easy to do because mm-hmm. there was, when uh, when you listen to it, there's a there's an original draft script of, for the first part where they mentioned that Peg had tricked Al into marrying her because she was pregnant and they dumped that idea. But we always suspected that Peg was probably pregnant at her wedding, but she didn't use that to trick to trap Al. She just it just happened anyway. And <laughs> now she's just confirmed that. So with a whorish wedding dress, she was also pregnant. She wouldn't have been hugely pregnant, just you know, just started. Yeah. And then they need to get on with the wedding. Kelly asks about her best man and her maid of honor. Oh, God, the horror, the horror. And this is something that's referenced a lot in television and (laughs) movies. Yeah. Yeah. The horror. Yeah. The horror, the horror. This phrase is found in Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. This is the final judgment of Kurtz on his life, actions, and generally humankind and imperialism. In the part three of the story, he says, the horror, the horror. Through this line, Kurtz also points out his fate, which looks profoundly affected upon the events he faces during his escapade to the Congo. It's also spoken by Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. So if you ever wondered where that came from, that's where it originates, is from that book, Heart of Darkness. It's I read that once in college, and let me tell you, that was a book that you read it's almost as bleak as 1984, but that, the heart of darkness, that was even bleaker. It was really kind of frightening. <laughs> I have to know, all three of us, let's pick our favorite non, not besides this one time here in Married Children, what's our favorite time that this was used in a sitcom or movie or something? Besides the original, of course. It was used in Third Rock from the Sun, which I thought was hilarious. When? How was it being used in there? When he was with a bunch of Boy Scouts and the Boy Scouts, and they were acting like tribal animals, kind of like in Lord oh, of the yeah. Flies. But it ends with Dickery, or not Dickery, <laughs> Dick Solomon saying, oh, my God, the horror, the horror. That, okay, I do remember that one. What about you, Amanda? <laughs> What's one of your favorites? Annabelle. <laughs> I mean, Annabelle. God damn it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> see, I just think of Married with Children first, and I don't have to say this episode. I could say Grime and Punishment earlier this season or <laughs> Buck the Dog in season nine when he says the horror, the unspeakable horror. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll stick with Dang. that and I'll keep thinking, but you tell us yours. I love how much of a Bundyologist <laughs> you are. It, we we pale in comparison to I your expertise. Um, <laughs> you have the best life. Okay, mine is on Roseanne. When it's the episode where Roseanne has yes. her period, um, and the, Dan is just staring at the screen, going, "The horror, the horror," and he's like grabbing his. I think he's. Yeah, he does it shot for shot of what Brando does, right? Yeah. Of how long they go, and the episode is just so great because they're like, 
what would Roseanne be like on her period? And the answer is not that fun. Yeah, this is also through Dan's POV as well. But yeah, I can find completely yeah. forgotten about that, which is interesting because I'm going to stop talking. Um, yeah. So yeah, I did like that one too. So yeah, that was just a nice little diatribe. Listeners, tell us on the Facebook page which your favorite horror, the horror is. <laughs> we get back to uh, Marcy now is talking with Lonnie and... Here, let me help you with oh. that. Okay, that's good. Gee, <laughs> you look very handsome. Well, thank you, Mrs. Darcy. You look handsome too. <laughs> pretty. Well, thank you again. You look pretty too. <laughs> Listen, Lonnie, I want you to know that I want to be more than just your banker. I want to be your friend. So if you ever need or want anything, I'm available. Well, that's good, because I got to tell you, there's something about a little bony banker that really turns me on. <laughs> Are you crazy? You're about to get married. That'll only take about 10 minutes. What are you doing after? <laughs> Not you! This one is really weird because she says, I want to be your friend. If you ever need or want anything, I'm available. And because she wants to be his banker too and she's the wedding planner, but all of a sudden, Lonnie says, well, that's good because I got to tell you, there's something about a little boy, bony banker that really turns me off. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like what are you crazy you're about to get married well that only take about 10 minutes what are you doing after <laughs> and marcy says not you and he literally forces himself upon her and you know, yeah yeah she just bitch slaps yeah. him yeah and yeah marcy don't need no one to save her <laughs> no she doesn't but it's just you know, it is pretty shocking. And I've heard of some people doing this at their weddings, hitting on somebody when they're about to get married. And uh, it, I just yeah. cringe when I hear about that or see it happen. I like this. Uh, then we go back to the wedding. Your sister looks beautiful, bud. The white dress is a bit of a stretch. It wouldn't be on me. No, I, I think it would be. Dearly beloved, we are gathered together to join this man and woman in holy matrimony. And if anyone can show just cause why they may not be joined together, let him speak now or forever hold his peace. Okay, that's it. This wedding's off. Well, good. I still have time to make the Edelstein funeral. Your sister looks beautiful, bud. The white dress is a bit of a stretch. Oh, <laughs> I, and oh bud my says, God. I love and, that. <laughs> and Bud says, it wouldn't be on me. And they said, no, I think it would be. <laughs> oh, my God. Even though he's had sex, we've chronicled how many times he's had sex. And that's when the minister says, and by the way, ministers do not typically say this at weddings. This is a trope that happens in television, but 
There is nothing in any wedding vows that say it. And if anyone can show just cause why they should not be joined together, let him speak now or forever hold his peace. Ministers haven't done that. You know, like it's not part of the liturgy. And it's rarely ever said because we know what's going to happen if uh, someone does object to it. They're going to say no. And we don't want um, that. So is that a trope that came, that was born out of the movies? I actually, uh, yes. do you know, do you yes. know it? Actually, Stephen, do you know the original reason why that was said? Uh, I can't remember. I learned a long time ago, but. Hey, this is Stephen. I just used my time machine to come back and uh, put this uh, little bit of tidbit in because Tyler asked me, where does that come from? If anyone could think why these two should not be wed, let them speak now or forever hold their peace. He wondered where that came from. And I had to do some research. I went back to my seminary notes, did a little bit more research. And it goes back to, I found out, to 1549 with the Book of Common Prayer, which was put up by the Church of England also known as the Anglican Church. And it was eventually adopted into marriage liturgies in both the Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox Church. The reason being was because back in old times, there wasn't a way to get the word out beyond a certain scope that, you know, these two people were getting married. There were very few newspapers and most people couldn't read. And the idea behind this was to make sure that the person that one of the parties in the marriage, one, they could have already been married, or two, they may not be of legal age. Yes, there was legal age even back then, or that this marriage might have been coerced. If someone had that information and they would come to the wedding, that was their responsibility to speak it. However, in all honesty, those aren't used in most denominations anymore. They've been taken out because ministers in this day and age they don't want anyone to speak up because word can get out pretty easily through newspapers and now the internet. So people will know if this person, you know, has already been married once or maybe has um, underage and trying to lie about it or something like that. So Episcopalians still use it in their liturgy, but not even they use it in the actual ceremonies. So now I want to get back on my time machine and go back to the future. Or am I going back to the past? Anyway, it's time to continue on with the podcast. That's the point when Al says, okay, that's it. This wedding's off. Mm-hmm. Eh, I, I, st- I, st- I, st- I don't get it, man. I don't get it, Al. Like, it, yes, he's a dog, but so is your daughter. Like, I just... Well, that's his daughter. Okay. I know, I know. It's it's different when it's your own flesh and blood. I remember, uh, I know my niece hated me for this, but uh, she was going to hide. You know, her dad wasn't part of her life, so I felt like I had to step in a little bit. And whenever my niece, Bella, when she would come home, come over to having me meet a boyfriend, I told her, hey, I'm against this, this whole thing. <laughs> I'm against you dating her. I would say it kind of tongue in cheek, but there's a part of me that says, I want to make sure I'm, we're finding the right person. Her, and her grandfather, my stepdad, feels the same way. So we're not trying to scare them off. We're trying to make sure they're the right person for 
because we don't want anyone mm-hmm. to treat, treat them badly. You know, that's that's a father's role. Yep. You want to make absolutely 100% sure that she definitely marries that person? You go right ahead and tell them that, Al. Like, it's just, uh, it's also like, I get it. No, I understand. It is a father's role. You want to look out for your child and everything. But I don't understand how, specifically, why Al has the power to stop this. Like, yeah, that's the only thing I don't get. (laughs) And then there's the other side of the coin, and that's the mother of the groom. That's the same thing to a large extent. You know, no one's going to harm the woman's child, no matter what. And that would include the woman that that boy marries. So it's always, you know, and that's where we get the idea of friction in in law with in-laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had great in-laws. And I've been, I was fortunate on that. Uh, hopefully you are too, Annabelle. Yes. But, um yeah that's sorry parents uh no not living but yes the family is very nice well that's good now do you, uh his parents yeah. are not living you said now what yeah. about your parents they they oh, find they him? him yeah my mom loves him so he's he's got no, a that's good <laughs> that's good I, uh, yeah like your dad <clears throat> didn't show up with a shotgun and be like you be good to my girl or you be good to my girl, mate. <laughs> we need to find out why Al objects to this because I guess it. I guess Marcy told Peg, and Peg whispered to Al what happened. <laughs> ruining my wedding. He's ruining your wedding. How dare you? How dare he? What? I now have proof that this no good idiot jailbird. Well, coming from a fine, upstanding weenie family, <laughs> is a two-timing snake. Hear, hear! What are you yammering about? Our son has done nothing wrong. Your boy, madam, who I like to refer to as Dummerd, <laughs> is still hitting on good-looking women. Thanks, Al. And on top of all that, he just hit on one looks like a man. <laughs> is that all? That Lonnie here is just, uh, well, you know, fickle. Yeah, who cares? Well, I care. You do? Yeah. Well, now that I think about it, it kind of upset my other wives, too. <laughs> Your other wives? His other wives? Well, I said he was fickle. All of us tots are. I've been married five times myself. And I got a boyfriend. <laughs> So that's the kind of low-life scum you people are. No respect for the torturous sanctity of marriage. (laughs) Well, let me tell you something. We Bundys may have our faults. We believe that marriage should be forever. No matter how pitiful or disgusting it may be to wake up to the same horrifying face each day, that's what the marriage vows are all about. And anyone who can't stand the nagging, bonbon-eating heat should stay out of the whining, sex-starved kitchen. You tell him, Al. Uh, Mom, he just called you fat and whiny. Oh, well, I just heard the part about staying out of the kitchen. And Al says, 
What do you, uh, your boy, madam, who I like to refer to as Dummerd, is still hitting upon good looking women. Marcy says, Thanks, Al. And on top of that, says Al, he just hit on the one who looks like a man. Mm, and, yeah, that, that kind of fell flat yeah, me for too. me. You should have just said, like, like, he keeps hitting on beautiful women. And yeah. Marcy. It was a bit labored. Yeah, that part would have been, been a little less bit better. Mean. I know. I'm not trying yeah. here either. Like, <laughs> yeah. And these are professional writers and they can't figure this mm. out. Oh, boy. Um, and Earl, he's a very typical as a man. Is that all Lonnie here is just, oh, you know, fickle. And he just is a philanderer. And they, they're talking about um, marriage and having different wives and uh, different boyfriends, you know, Earl's as uh, he has that uh, he's been married five times himself. Pearl says that she's got a boyfriend. At one point, I was thinking, were they talking about bigamy? But uh, I don't think that was the case here. Uh, after a second, I realized, no, they're not talking about bigamy. They're talking about people who just screw around all the time. In a way, I, I think they're a poly. I think they're a poly family, right? Like in a weird way. So maybe. Yeah. I kind of felt sorry for Lonnie. He grew up around that, so we thought that was yeah. normal. Mm-hmm. As opposed, yeah, as opposed to Kelly growing up with her dysfunctional parents and realizing that they're still faithful to each other. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Kelly would have been faithful to him. I think because so. Of that. Mm-hmm. For the most part. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, faithful in a way Peggy is. I think yeah. if a better ending to this would have been. If um, if Kelly had seen him like throw himself on Marcy, because it's one thing to flirt, it's another thing to do it. Yeah, a yeah, man can exactly. look, draw, dream, exactly. no touch. Mm-hmm. And and in Kelly's mind, same goes for her. Yeah. And that's why she that's why she invited all of her ex-boyfriends <laughs> like <laughs> yeah and look at peg i mean she does a lot of flirtatious things the most uh aggressive thing she did if you really think about it was when she um when she pinched the butt of that guy in um oh uh, kelly's got a habit at the end yeah ever uh, she became the extroversion but uh, and then pinched the guy's butt yep. but the thing is that's the that's the most egregious thing I think Peggy ever did. She kind of crossed the line a little bit, although it wasn't all well, the just, way. Well, just, just what earlier. What about when she thinks Griff is... Just Yeah, well, you mentioned Griff. Just earlier, she pretty much came on to Griff, but it was very innocent flirtation. You know, like, oh, you can call me tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was, refer- I was to referring to the other time where they're playing... Yeah. Yeah. Like, where that was... That shocked me still. Like, I'm like, man, was she about to do it? Because she didn't know it was a She's getting like, very turned on. So sudden. So, like, I think she would have come to her senses, yeah. but she's like, yeah, she wouldn't have left Alf or, or cheated on him, but she was she was getting turned yeah, on she, because she, uh, she would have been like, something Al couldn't. I, I need to. Yeah, then she probably would have been like, I'm so, I'm so flustered. I, I need to go find yes. Al. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I like the one on Butter when. Uh, look, Horn, (laughs) I've got to be perfectly honest with you. You see, 
I'm a happily married woman with children, very, very young children, infants. Hey, I don't mind messing around with a married woman. Al, I'll be back by noon. <laughs> hey, he's a shoe salesman. It'd be like leaving me for me. Oh, yeah. Thanks for talking me down, Al. <laughs> Al kind of finishes it up when he says, Bundys have our fall, so yeah. But no matter how painful or disgusting it may be to wake up to the same horrifying face each day, that's what marriage vows are all about. <laughs> and anyone who can't stand the nagging, bonbon-eating heat should stay out of the whining, sex-starved <laughs> kitchen. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and, well, I think it was Marcy who said, you tell him, Al. <laughs> Yeah, that 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 whole thing. Well, Peck said it. That's made it even funnier. That right there. His own wife said it. <laughs> yes. What Peggy did, you know, talking about being faithful and committed in a Bundy way, you know, you're still trading in the bar, putting in the bars yeah. there. Lonnie, we do not have to take this. We are tots. Gee, I'm sorry, Kelly. You sure you don't want to be a tot? You know, I never thought I'd ever say this, but right now I'd rather be a Bundy. <laughs> Real quick, and Kelly tells Lonnie, I never thought I'd say this, but, but right now I'd rather be a Bundy. Perfect. Nope, not perfect. That would have been a perfect way you, most people would think a married children would end, but I love the way it really does end. Thanks, Dad. That went my last chance at unlimited wealth. Unless... <laughs> I just can't do it. Are you okay, honey? Yeah, I guess so. You know, I'm gonna miss Lonnie, but at least I have something that'll always remind me of him. A ten thousand dollar wedding debt? Oh, no, Daddy, that's that's yours. I've got this, and of course my loved ones to console me. Uh. We're here for you, Kel. Not you. Them. <laughs> the $10,000 wedding debt to daddy. But Kelly's got the diamond ring still. Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't take that back. I don't think so. Boy, that would that'd be weird. Like, could you imagine that, like... Uh, asking someone to marry you they say yes you give them the ring then they cheap out i think you need to give that ring back yeah but he was the one cheating on her it's true mm, i don't know like, you know what screw that they're rich but anybody else give the ring back that's like um that's like three months salary <laughs> yeah um, it is a lot but i wouldn't blame her for keeping it I yeah. really wouldn't at this point. And, and like you said, they're rich. They probably wouldn't miss it, in all honesty. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> We're here for you, Cal. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Damn. I love how she just backs up into the group of her guys, which I didn't even, like, <laughs> I was just shocked. I'm like, yeah, she invited all of her freaking exes to her wedding. <laughs> yeah, now they're happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Let's see this thing crash and burn. <laughs> but it's interesting. Just a, just as a 
a side note, Kelly, if this is the last episode filmed or taped, so Kelly gets the very last word of the entire show. And if you remember, she gets the very first word of the pilot. So she's got the distinction of having the mm. first, uttering the first and last words of the entire series. If we go by production order, the intended order. That's incredible. I never noticed Kelly. that. Wow. Kelly gets it in twice. Yeah. Nice. He gets the last word anyway. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. Uh <clears throat> And I still shocks me that this is not the last broadcasted episode, but they they just seem to have like Kelly being married on the mind. It just still shocks me that we have another wedding episode. Mm-hmm. So. so this is this was real closure as opposed to what we're going to be looking at next week. So, mm-hmm. yeah. No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. All right. We're back. Okay. Annabelle, how many rutabagas are you going to eat for this Married with Children episode? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me on for this episode and the previous episode. It's been a lot of fun to record with you guys. It's nice to get in another recording with you before we wrap up um i'll leave my rating to the end but i think our discussion this week has increased my vote my rating slightly ever so slightly because again i had i had two scores in mind as a finale to the show i'm not a fan of it at all um but as an episode, there's a lot in there. Well, there's a few, several things in there that I enjoy. I'll put it that way. Um, a, a lot of uh, some of that is the the guest cast of this episode, and we've got things like Rance Howard, who's Ron Howard's father. That's yet another family member on the show, and he's got a great sight gag. And um, <clears throat> there's Earl Tot and Pearl Tot. We've talked about them, and obviously. Um, a big favorite for you Stephen so that's extra cool um both wonderful actors too um and then there's Charles Aston who I mentioned last week um who I'm a fan of anyway and um as a just an interesting piece of trivia again um if you remember Christina Applegate's show that she had after this called Jesse Chip or Charles Aston showed up on an episode of that show with Christina and he also played a cheating groom in the same episode in that episode so in both that show and married with children he played a cheating groom with Christina Applegate but she she wasn't he wasn't her groom she was just part of a wedding party um so presumably they've stayed in touch and yeah he deserves to have to be even more well known I think um the, the fact that this is a finale 
doesn't sit all that great with me. However, we have talked about the things that we did do, we did like or that that I liked anyway. Um, the fact that the show, the episode was bookended with the speech from Peg and then the speech from Al is quite nice and sweet. And anyone who's been listening to me for the last four seasons know that I love Al and Peg and love any scene where they either express their love or in their own wonderful way or have scenes together or whatever it is. But the fact that they would never cheat on each other and they express their love the way only they could is always a, a highlight for me. And I mentioned in last week's episode what Fox did in the way of a thank you. And it literally, and it, I have put that clip on YouTube. You can find it there. And it literally says, thank you, Married with Children, for 11 great seasons and a million laughs. And then has the Fox logo. And that's all you see. But you see that a few times throughout the episode as it aired on that night. So I say, thank you, Married with Children. I mean... This episode, as we've found out, we could have been a lot better. They could have put some more thought into it. They could have done, they could have done this. They could have done that, and we could speculate for forever on what they could have done. But we are dealing with what they have done as a final episode. Eh, I don't think it was set out to be the series finale. I think it was just meant to be a season finale because they found out they were cancelled later, and we've still got an episode next week to deal with, which we're gonna. It's gonna be a doozy. But I think for this episode, I have enjoyed more than I thought I would talking about it, if that makes sense. Like, I have more appreciation for some of the lines. And there's a couple of good moments. So, because I, 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 it's a finale and it's a week finale, I go half a step down than, than last week's episode. So I'm going to give it... Two rutabagas out of five. Tyler, hmm. how many rutabagas are you going to give this episode? Okay, well, it, this is very weird because I, I'm not choosing to look at this as a finale since it's not a finale. Finale means it's the end. And it's sad because I'm literally... Literally, while you were talking, Annabelle, I was literally coming up with a great episode just organically in my head. This would be a wonderful four-parter finale, where you where part one you have the episode we have last week, then part two you have um, the relationship blooming with Lonnie and Kelly, and then you have and have it end with Lonnie Getty getting out of prison then you have the third one where that's where you have the shower and the bachelor party and then the fourth one is all wedding and then in those four episodes you get to give your fairway send-offs to all the characters get get um every nudie bar member back in here Get yeah. Mrs. Hardwick, as you said, Stephen. Get everybody in. Like, uh, have closed out some stuff. Maybe Bud gets uh, actually goes away with his prison pen pal. Um, like, like goes to move closer to the prison on his own. He's gonna leave the house after Kelly gets married, or, Ariel. or something like that. Yeah, or Ariel. Yeah, anything. Like, make it feel like the end because this didn't seem like the feel felt like an ending to me and they 
didn't make it the ending, so I'm not going to even look at it as an ending. So I'm not going to grade it on that scale just to be kind to it. Um, it's a part two. So on its merit of being connected to part one, it's stronger. It's, it's not, it's still, I still, I'm still dinging it for not saying part two in the title. But as opposed to last week's episode, it is so well written. It is so much well crafted. Like, there's a reason why everybody is there, why they should be. Um, they go through all the tropes in the Marywood Children style of a wedding for the most part, except we didn't have a bachelor party, which that was very weird not to have. Um, I seriously think they literally just forgot to film a line where Al, where they, Al says this is a bachelor party. Or there was a confusion in the scripts because that makes no sense why there's not. But... I loved Al's speeches. I loved Peggy's speeches. I loved the fact, as you pointed out, Annabelle, that these episodes were bookended by speeches, which does give it more of a finale kind of show, but it's also good symmetry and verisimilitude with the writing. So as a part two, it as a whole, these are kind, this was probably the weakest two-parter episode I've ever seen of any show, period. But as a solid episode of itself, if last episode was a desperate half hour, this was a slightly enjoyable half hour. So I am going to give it two and a half. Rutabagas. I think I'm going to be the most generous here. I'm going to give it three Rutabagas. I agree with you. It does not work well as a series finale. I, I agree it's mediocre as a season finale, but I still enjoyed it a hell of a lot better than the last one. I remember when um, Alex and his crew were reviewing Route 666 Part 1. I didn't like that one. I did not like it. Route 666 Part 2, I enjoyed that one a lot better. And I like to put it out that uh, I liked how it ended. I didn't like how they got there. And that's what I'm going to say about these two episodes altogether, is that I liked the ending. I didn't love it, but I liked it. I just didn't like how they got there. I mean, how to bring in all these people to set up a wedding for a series or a season finale, whatever they wanted to do. I did think the writing was uh, much better in this one. And I, I I agree with you. I like the bookend speeches. And I just thought the humor worked a lot better, as in bringing in Kelly's old boyfriends as they're weeping. I thought that was funny. And he, Griff could tell because they were all looking sad and dressed in black. And he said, friend of the bride? Yeah, right over here. I liked that part. I liked it that uh, when Al was carrying his double standard for his little pumpkin, you know, you're not going to be treating my daughter that way. You know, that's my wife, but she's my daughter. I like that. That shows that he is protective, even though he is incongruous or he has that incongruity in his personality. He's still just standing up for his little pumpkin. So that's why I give it a 3.0. And listeners, if you disagree with this, 
go to the Facebook page and tell me I'm an idiot there, okay? Or scream at Annabelle why you thought it was better than that, or scream at Tyler for no good reason. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have received some some messages before. So. But, no. <laughs> oh, like Not angry really, messages? It's like, oh, this was this, and you know, I disagree with you. Uh, I I give this a five. How dare you give this a three? Yeah. You know, I'm like calm down. Okay, chill. Yeah. Fortunately, our fortunately our fortunately our Facebook group is a pretty good group. I've yeah. never. I think I've only had to delete one comment ever. That was just so vitriolic. It was ridiculous. But yeah, everyone has their own taste. So anyhow, that's how you only I heard see. three opinions. Yeah, that's right. And remember, opinions are like buttholes. Everybody has one and some of them stink. And only a few are afraid to use it. Yeah, <laughs> there is something <laughs> I might cut that part out. <laughs> there's something i forgot to mention in last week's episode in part one of this two-parter uh, recently i uploaded a special that was done in germany and aired in germany only because um, german uh, married to children was big in germany they went behind the scenes on the taping of desperate half hour and in that special and i think this is what swayed my rating slightly but in that special, you get to see interviews. They're dubbed over the top in German, and there's a German interviewer. But almost all the cast gets interviewed, and even Stephen Ritt, the dog trainer, gets interviewed. But aside from that, you see little filming clips, and you see a couple of bloopers, which is so rare for Married with Children that it's a, a, tre a treasured moment to see any sort of outtake from the show. So if you watch the special, you do see some filming um, bits and pieces of that episode. Um, and and even on, I think on the Wikipedia page uh, on the Married Children Wiki, they mentioned you know a couple of times in the background when when Al is about to be uh, not when Al is shot, but when the remote is shot out of his hand. Um, you can see Bud smiling, for example. Um, that's why because some of these outtakes and from this scene that was being taped, um, you can see in this German special. So. And one, the, the, there's just one take where she went to fire the gun and no sound effect happened and the remote didn't go anywhere. So it's like, oh, what do I do? And that's an outtake that's on the internet somewhere anyway because it aired as part of a Fox special. So I think that has slightly swayed my opinion very slightly for part one. But yeah, like you say, Tyler, it's really odd to think of these as part one and part two because they don't share an episode title they're they don't have part one they don't have part two um after their titles they they're sort of designed to stand alone but there's continuity so i think they set out with some grandiose plan that just didn't quite work and i think i much prefer your idea not only the ideas that you've mentioned scattered throughout the recording but just your idea of having a four-part finale and actually some forward planning um, ramping it up to a proper season finale, if not a series finale. Yeah. But yeah, it is what it is, and we can only look at it in hindsight. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. I would agree. And before we close out, a thank, yes, thank you, Annabelle. Like that, I can't wait to check those out, and you're absolutely right. Uh, having forethought or just a different take about something or seeing something behind the lines can really change how you feel knowing 
uh, like what happened behind the set because a lot of times we just have to speculate what's going on. Like if it really was the network saying maybe the show's creators really did say, you know what, we had this whole grand idea, but it's kind of falling through. We can only get the tots for like an hour. So let's, we want to scrap this. Can we have an extra, you know, million, I don't know, like half a million or so and an extra three months just to cobble something together? And I could just see Fox saying, F that, no. Air what you got, make it work. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, then my ratings went dramatically up. But if it's not, it's going down. But I graded this at a curve. Because a rich, because some, I'm sure some people listening will probably be like, Tyler, your rating, you sounded like you were very favorable. I bet a lot of people were expecting like at least a three from me, not a two and a half. Well, I grade on a scale, on a curve. And in me, in my head, three did pop into my head, even three and a half. But then I remembered what the episode was before and what was connected to this. And I hated that so, so much. And I saw them so close together that I was like, okay, if I thought this was a three, it's probably because the last one was so awful. Yeah. So I, I had to knock it down a little bit. Maybe it may not be fair, but don't make this a two-parter then. Unfortunately, that's going to happen. <laughs> so, yep, just wanted to add that in as some clarification of how I review stuff. Yeah. Well, Annabelle, thanks for joining us. And I'd like to remind everybody that next week we're going to be reviewing Chicago Shoe Exchange, which is your last episode to air. Well, at least in the United States, it was the next to the last episode to air. And we uh, have to do with Bud being tortured and abused by his family, getting caught in a, in a, oh, I forgot what it was, a tanning bed. And Al and Griff, they got a massaging chair. They started bartering with other mall shops and they got to, and now they got to get it all back because Gary is, Reeking mad at him again. Until then. Bye. Bye.